podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully you have been enjoying listening to a lot of these uh, thought-provoking topics um, that I've been doing uh, throughout this week. And today I uh, have a um, regular on my show. He's done a couple podcasts with me, a good buddy of mine, uh, John Mark uh, Gletto. So John, thank you for being back on the show. Thank you for the invitation. Good to be with you. Yeah. So uh, so we are going to be actually talking about um, the topic of salvation. Now, it almost seems like this is kind of a funny conversation to have, because I think most people, or at least you, we would assume most people who claim that they are Christians would say that they know exactly what salvation is and how that is lived out in everyday life. However, we also see that there's sometimes a lot of debates on what is actual salvation or not, especially from different denominations, even throughout history. So I guess to sum up, I guess if I was to ask the question to you, John Mark, what is salvation? What would you tell me? Um, I think in terms of the Passover, I think, my head's kind of been stuck there recently, which is not a bad thing since Christ is our Passover. But we have to be set free just as the people of Israel were. Uh, they were under a tyrannical ruler who stood for Satan, Pharaoh did. So we have to be set free by the blood of the Lamb. And we have to come out from under that government that we're all born into. And we have to come into the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light. And so we have to be, Jesus did come to set the prisoners free, and we have to come under his authority and his government, and we have to learn to do his will, and we get internally changed in the process. We get, we need to be born again. We have to be born of water and the spirit, and our hearts have to be changed. They have to be circumcised, Um, and we have to uh, come into, instead of the old way of the sinful nature, we have to come into the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and that has to be worked out. And it's not flip a switch and you have it all. I think in thinking about the topic that you were going to talk about today, I thought about the scripture from Philippians that talks about work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I got saved in 1986 and that was it. I've been coasting ever since. (laughs) That's that's not it. And, and I think that's kind of a, a, a big topic because you, you've mentioned just with your um, how you did define salvation or how you'd explain it. There's a couple of elements that um, are kind of key. Uh, so let's so let's kind of break some of those things down. So the first thing is, you know, it's not it's about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. So there is this concept of working out one's salvation. Now, I recently saw a poll, I think it was done by church leaders, or maybe it was the Gospel Coalition, I'm not sure, but apparently it seemed like that there was a large majority of Christians that they uh, interviewed or polled in the um, United States that their salvation, that they have a works-based view of salvation. Uh, meaning that and how that was defined in this article was that it's about doing good work. And by doing good work, you are saved. Um, I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't agree with that belief, but I, I'm kind of shocked that there's a lot of people who a say they're churchgoers or Christians and, um, 
they do have this mentality that it's about what we do as far as the work that we do that leads to salvation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think for me, I'm kind of thinking like, well, I understand the whole, well, let's work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but I don't necessarily equal that to works as far as me serving in soup kitchens and me, you know, sucking water out of people's basements or whatever that may be like, that's Mm -hmm. not for me, that's kind of not what salvation is all about. So what's, so what's your take on the whole works base thing? You can't, yeah, we're not, we're not saved by works. That's the old covenant. Um, But if if we've been saved there, there will be works that follow. Mm -hmm. And are they from a soulish basis, uh, which is not a word we have in English. I wish we did. We have that in uh, Scandinavian dialects. Is it soulish or is it spiritual? Meaning, is it something that I think that I should do for the Lord? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that the Lord is actually directing me to do? Is it something that the Holy Spirit is leading? So those are two very different things. One can be very religious, I, th- I think about Mary and Martha. Mm. I mean, Martha wasn't baking cookies for the devil. Yeah. You know, what she was doing was right. I've got to make this for Jesus because Jesus is here and I've got to do this work in the kitchen to prepare. But that wasn't the Lord's will. The Lord's will is what Mary was doing. She was at his feet and receiving the word from his, from his lips. So where's the balance you can only find through the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And I think, and I think that's a great point to make because when you think about, you know, a workspace and I mean, I think not necessarily, I don't necessarily think that it's bad. Like if I wanted to do something that may not be directly spiritually led, but it's something that when I read the word, it's something that, you know, that compels me to do something and maybe, and who knows, maybe it is spiritually led, but maybe it might just be, here's my gifts and my talents that I want to use to kind of help people who are in need. So, you know, me and I, or I have the tools and the equipment to go out and help a business recover from flood damage. Like we've experienced here in our community or, you know, something else or, um, it's so, also yeah. an issue. I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's oh no, also, go ahead. It's also an issue of where are you at on the spiritual maturity um, progression. You know, mm. you, you're not. You don't. You can't hear Jesus' voice in the first year the way that you can after 20 years of your walk with the Lord. I mean, there's. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's part of it. Yeah, I, and I and I agree with that. Yeah, I do agree with that sentiment and that statement. Um, I think when we go back to the idea of working out your salvation, I think it brings up another question because I know there's always these debates of, you know, eternal salvation. Basically, there's this view of once I'm saved, once I accept Jesus Christ in my heart, then he's in my heart forever. He doesn't leave. So, and I think that's kind of what you say that, you know, that whole coasting thing where there's a lot of people, especially it seems like there's a lot of denominations that really hold key to that belief that once you have accepted Jesus Christ, um, and I'm going to use their language, accept Jesus (laughs) Christ into your heart, then I'm good. It's almost like there's this stamp where I know sometimes people will say that when we 
proclaim the name of Jesus, we are then sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So there's that binding, that sealing, that um, that thing where it's like, okay, I've opened up this, uh, or I know there's a kid's song we used to sing at camp, like, if I had a little box to put my Jesus in, you know, I'd take him out and give him kisses and, and share him with my friends. But then if uh, the devil's in there, then I'm going to take him out and smash his face. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, okay. But I mean, but that, that concept of I'm putting something in a box so that mm-hmm. it's sealed. So now that it's in there, it's mm-hmm. not going to leave. Mm-hmm. Where as opposed to some other belief people where they say, well, when it comes to salvation, there is an opportunity where one could lose their salvation. Or if they don't say the word lose their salvation, they do say, well, you can backslide and then you have to recommit to Christ. Mm-hmm. So when we look at those kind of, and again, I think there's more views of salvation, obviously a works-based salvation. But when we look at those, I think those are kind of the two big uh, things that are kind of always debated within churches. So what are kind of, so I guess when it comes to your view or maybe what scripture teaches us, are we missing the mark when it comes to salvation? Um, I think you always want me to be honest. <laughs> well, I, I, again, like everyone, I've had people go, who's your audience? Can I do this? I say, Hey, I don't even really know my, I, I think honesty and being transparent and being real with how you feel about stuff is the best policy with um, honesty. So mm-hmm. go, go, go right at it, John Mark. I mean, <laughs> if I disagree with you, I disagree with you. That's, that's all right. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just, I don't, um, I don't ascribe to religious, you know, thoughts um, anymore. And ascribe just to what the scripture says. And if that sounds arrogant, I'm, I apologize. But um, uh, going through the scriptures, you know, hundreds of times, you know, listening and studying and reading and, you know, walking with the Lord, uh, I find once saved, always saved to be demonic. Mm. If I could put a finer point on that for you, I would. But that's not a core, that's not what the scripture teaches, and that's not what the not that's not what the word of God reveals. I mean, take a look at the letters to the seven churches in Revelation. Uh, look at Laodicea if you want an accurate description of or a pretty good picture of the church in this country. Mm-hmm. He said, "I want you hot or cold, but if you're going to be lukewarm, then I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth." Yeah, and. Um, does that sound like salvation until the end? No, it doesn't. I mean, if you want to look at, you know, look at the parable of the 10 virgins, mm-hmm. you know, well, all 10 are virgins and we know what that means. They had been purified, but five had enough oil and five didn't have enough oil. And the five that didn't have enough oil were locked out. You know, in the end, they didn't get into the marriage feast. Well, look at the parable of the talents. You know, five talents or 10 talents, five talents. And the guy that got one talent, excuse me, he was a servant of the master, but he hid his talent. He didn't have a good view of Jesus. And what did Jesus say to him? You know, he he got cast out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I could keep going on, but there's, there's many, there's many examples in the word of God that, 
we have got to be faithful. We have got to be obedient. We've got to cleave to our Lord, which is what faith means. I think, I think that's part of the problem is that the definition of faith has gotten skewed mm-hmm. uh, within the church as to what faith actually even is. Yeah. You, know, you, you adhere to Jesus if you believe in Jesus. You're glued to him. You're faithful to him. You desire him. What's the most important commandment that we have? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, you bring up, and I think you bring up a good point, because I think even when we think about that idea of once saved, always saved, there's, there's a verse, and I think it's kind of a key verse. It's a verse that I think sometimes can get misconstrued or it's just very lengthy and sometimes people have a hard time and i think a lot of times when we look at john's gospel since john's usually writing from a very high christology i think a lot of times people get confused i mean i think about um you know i think about the verse i can't think of the actual verse i think maybe john 13 where jesus says i tell you the truth if you do not eat of my flesh and drink my blood you will have no part of me and everyone started leaving jesus um, but I, but what I, when it comes to salvation, I think about that phrase in John 10, where he's talking about the sheep and the shepherd. And he says, you know, the sheep know my voice and they follow me. Amen. So when there's that following, there's, there's an aspect. And maybe this is where people get confused with the works part, because the works part's like, oh, well, I need to go and do a bunch of good things. I need to go, you know, build homes or, or feed the poor or anything else. But it's not necessarily doing things it's first and foremost following it is basically he who is that we are following the one who is in the light that we follow within the light and Mm -hmm. i think i paraphrased that i think i butchered that verse i do apologize so there's for so the way i kind of view salvation is i feel like it's more of a yeah there is this point where something's happening inside of me where i need to where I need a savior to save me from my own sinfulness and my own wretchedness. Um, But then after that, after I have been saved, I do believe that once I accept Jesus as my Lord and savior, I make him Lord over my life. I do believe that my sins and that my past wickedness has been repented of. And I am that, you know, I am now clean, but then it's about me walking in step with the savior. It's about me being an ambassador of Christ, me walking, you know, be, you know, be holy for I am holy. Um, which I know that I concept of holiness is a whole other thing. Cause I think sometimes that can get misconstrued too. And, and even some people I've even heard conversations that say that holiness is just kind of a unrealistic expectation. <laughs> Which to me, I feel is unrealistic. It is an unrealistic expectation when you're trying to build up your own holiness, mm-hmm. not wearing the holy coat of Jesus Christ and following within his footsteps. Right. Um, so, so when it comes to, I guess when it comes to salvation, I think that A, there's the whole once saved, always saved. I don't think scripture really 
addresses that fully or if someone wants to build that case they're really picking and choosing certain verses and not looking at things in context Mm -hmm. however i think the one thing that i think is kind of always the question on the other side is this idea of can one lose their salvation or is it more of we don't lose it we just backslide and i guess what does that mean when you talk about backsliding what does that mean in the state of our own condition of our souls when it comes to our faith and not only that but especially when it comes to judgment day or when jesus comes back or when we pass away like what does that mean if we are kind of on the going back down or sliding back on that downward trend Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think part of it is you haven't crossed the finish line until you've crossed the finish line Mm. so backslidden um where is where is that line with the lord well i'm not the judge Mm -hmm. but the scriptures got you know pretty good light on that i mean if we backslide can we repent again can we turn back to the lord well i believe that the scripture shows us that we can yeah and if we turn our back on the lord and we decide that we're not going to listen if we're Mm -hmm. not going to follow if we're not going to have a heart towards him and we just walk away well that's not going to work on judgment day yeah so i think there's there's a there's a great difference there i mean and was it the letter to the church in into ephesus where they had lost left their first love yeah it's 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 the first church you have forgotten your first love i'm thinking that was the church in ephesus i believe So that's, yeah. I think that's backsliding, right? Yeah. And he, he did not say, well, that's it for you. Exactly. Yeah. So and, I, yeah. And, and I think, and I think that's kind of a key thing. So obviously there's not this, and I guess, you know, that's the thing. We're not the judge. I think that's very important to make that determination that, oh, you have slid in so far back that you have now been, you know, cut off. You know, I do believe it comes to my mind. I'm sorry yeah. again. No, go ahead. no, you're fine. Keep interrupting me. That's good. I think, it, I think it's Matthew 18 where, where Jesus says, and some translations are a little different, but if your brother sins, mm-hmm. go and show him his fault in, in, in private. And if he won't listen to you, take two or three more with you. And if he won't listen to them, well, then take him before the church. And if he won't listen to the church, let him be to you as a tax collector and a, and a sinner. Um, you know, I guess that person had backslidden and, um, you know, he's given an opportunity to, to turn. Um, but if he chooses not to turn, well then, um, I guess some would call that excommunication as a religious term, but I think he, he dealt with it there too, perhaps. Yeah. And, and I also, and you bring up a good point because I think about the, I'm, I want to say it's Paul's letter to the Corinthians, but I think I'm maybe wrong. I'm not 100% sure where Paul even talks about where, where if someone is sinning in church life and you, you, know, you warn them once, you warn them twice, eventually you, you, eventually you kind of, I guess we'll use the word excommunicate, but then there was that mentality, or at least I felt like reading, researching on that verse, there was a mentality because you have now been separated from the body of Christ, and that is kind of the way of life in some ways, because if Jesus is the way of life, then there's a thing where eventually, because you are now no longer part of the body, 
that you would feel guilt ridden and then you would then eventually repent and come back mm-hmm. where you'll then come back into the fold. So I think it kind of builds up to the point of, you know, even if we backslide, even though we may not be able to a hundred percent determine like what that line is, but there is always opportunity for them to fall back in good graces. Mm -hmm. I think the other issue that I think when it comes to salvation has been an old American model of how people first have their encounter with Jesus. It's been my experience, uh, especially growing up in the church, leaving the church, having an exodus from the church for almost five years, and then coming back as a kid and even a teenager, where I can remember the first time I vividly remember giving my life to the Lord would have been at a summer camp in Northeast Ohio. And the reason why I did this, and you will laugh because I know, <laughs> is because, A, I didn't want to go to hell. Uh-huh. And B, all my friends have gave their life to Christ that week, except me. And especially since I was the one who's going to church the longest and a bunch of my uh-huh. friends I invited so that they can meet the Lord, gave yeah. their lives to Christ before I did. Um, so it was almost so, so I mean, and when you think about the reasons behind that, it's not very honorable reasons to give your life to the Lord. But I do remember when I gave my life to the, even though my heart may not have been in the right place and my mm-hmm. mind not have been in the right place, I really did experience a almost an awakening in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, I also felt like you know my reasons for. Et- salvation was so that my sins can be forgiven and that I don't go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. And in my own personal life, after that event, when I started going back to school, I went back to my old sinful ways, Mm -hmm. but the mentality that, well, I can still do all these things because I'm good with Jesus now. Right, right. And it doesn't matter what I do because Jesus is in my heart. And once, he's there, he will, and once he's there, he will be there forever, even though that's not what the Church of God teaches, but that's kind of what was taught to me at summer camp. As opposed right. to the next summer, when I really heard it and someone really explained salvation, then that's when I you know, rededicated my life to the Lord. And then mm-hmm. that's when it was about, okay, discipleship. That's when it was about undertaking my faith a little bit more seriously, yeah. being in the word, trying to you know, participate in church activities and Bible studies and stuff so I could get to know more about God and his will and what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and, when I think about all those two experiences, I think there's a key point. And I think the first time it was more of a, okay, I don't want to burn. So let me get my fire insurance Yeah, to kind of put it, to kind of put it like, to kind of put it very uh, snarky (laughs) where the second time was more of me recognizing. Yeah. You know, I use inappropriate language. Yeah, I am a bully to other people. Yeah, uh-huh. I kind of treat people of the opposite sex very crude and say crude things to them. Are those yeah. the things that represent Jesus? Is those the things that Jesus does? Mm-hmm. And if not, those are the things where, A, conviction sets in, mm-hmm. where the Spirit's convicting my heart. B, there's a thing of grief that, oh, where I am grieving my own sinfulness. 
and mm-hmm. my own decaying of my spirit. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not the correct term, but that's the one I could think of right now. And then there comes the confession. And then after the confession and there is the repentance, mm-hmm. then there is this goal of me, again, walking in the steps of the Savior, walking within his light, not putting on, not building up my own holiness or my own righteousness, but putting on that coat of Christ and being in that light. So, and I think we, especially when I started looking more at like, you know, salvation, what the church of God believes, you know, I think at the beginning, there is that initial hearing the word, the conviction, the grief, the confession. And then even in that is the forgiveness where it's like, okay, if Christ has forgiven me, then I need to start ask forgiving others, or even I need to start asking people that I may have wronged and saying, Hey, I know I was saying all those inappropriate stuff to you, or I was kind of being a jerk to, you No, I just want to say, I'm sorry. And will you forgive me Mm -hmm. and moving in that direction? And I feel like where we kind of see an issue and maybe mainline American Christianity is that it's about, I'm good with Jesus. Jesus is in me, but yet I can do anything I want. I can say anything I want and there's no eternal consequences for my actions because again, I'm right with Jesus. That's not what the scripture teaches. (laughs) No, it's not what the scripture teaches. So why is it that we have fallen into that trap? Um, I think, I think about Jeremiah and he allayed a lot of the burden for the blame at the uh, feet of the shepherds. Shepherds, another name for pastor. I don't mean offense, but I think uh, some of it has come out of the seminaries. I think some of, some of it has just come out of religious tradition, which is just exactly what the Pharisees did. Mm-hmm. On the one side was the word of God. On the other side was their Talmud. Mm-hmm. And this is our tradition. And um, I honestly think there's actually a, a a money motivation to some of it, to the watering down of the word of God. Uh, it is the root of all sorts of evil. And um, I think some of it has to do with the collection plate in all honesty, mm. you know, but that, that wasn't the, that wasn't the, uh, that wasn't the preaching of the apostles in the early church. I mean, were Ananias and Sapphira saved? I think so. Mm. You know, yeah. but the, the fear of the Lord got taken away. A long time ago, and again, that's something that Jesus accused the Pharisees of. You've mm-hmm. taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves haven't entered, and you've prohibited those who were entering. And that, that key to knowledge, I know Isaiah 33, 6, is the fear of the Lord. And if you have that, I'll just say it, if you have that false doctrine, what fear of the Lord do you have? Mm. I mean, the fear of the Lord is pure and endures forever. There's never a time that we don't need the fear of the Lord. I mean, my children have a balance in their relationship with me where daddy is not all wrath, but you can summon that if you like. Daddy is not all love and candy. Daddy is both. Yeah. And if daddy's not, if daddy's not both, daddy's not a good father. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's a very key, key, key element. Cause if we look at our relationship with our kids, like if I don't discipline my kids at all, and I just continue to do good and give them good things all the time, then 
you know, when are they going to ever understand consequences for wrong? At mm-hmm. the same time, if I keep punishing them and punishing them and punishing them, even for the minute things like, oh, they spilled a cup of water during dinner and, you know, they, they get punished, which is something my grandfather used to do as a Nazarene minister. And, mm-hmm. you know, you would think that, ooh, spilling water, that's bad. You know, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Mm -hmm. It was just more of an inconvenience and it was more of a minor frustration. But you got severely punished for something that you didn't really need to get punished for. Um, And I think when it comes to our own faith, it's very easy, especially what's being taught. Like even if you think about, you know, different denominations, you know, I was reading up that, you know, when you think about the um, when you think about some of the. Hold on, I'm gonna. So we're gonna pause right here because my kids are ringing the doorbell and it's making a loud buzzing noise and it's driving me nuts. No problem. Unless someone got locked out of the house or Laura got locked out of the house and she's getting my attention. It stopped. Okay, we're good. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to really focus and edit this video now. Uh, so let me let's go back. To, so when it comes to this idea of our faith and different traditions, because even when I looked up stuff, you know, we think about early Calvin, Calvinism, where it was more of like there was a select few that would be saved. So mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily, even if I give my life to the Lord, I may not be the 144,000 that's going to go into heaven. At the mm-hmm. same time, there's some who has a very universalist view, which basically means that eventually at some point, at some time, everybody is going to be saved regardless. Even the worst sinner who has no desire or love for Jesus, eventually his knees going to bow, his tongue's going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And with that, that means that he's all the way up in heaven, which Again, if we want to do that view, then what do we do about the, you know, when Jesus is telling the story of the sheeps and the goats? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with, you know, again, like I mentioned it before, John 13, I tell you, if you do not eat of my flesh and drink from my blood, you know, mm-hmm. there's always that other thing of salvation. I think the other, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of, and again, I think a lot of that is tradition. Like you said, it's the Talmud, but none of it is actually word or especially if it is something in the word it's a couple verses and then mm-hmm. filler you yeah. know it's like here's yeah. the meat and then we're going to throw a bunch of filler in there to kind of make it a little bit bigger a little bit make it a little bit more tastier even though it's not good for you um yeah god's design for us is to be a kingdom of priests mm-hmm. and uh a lot of a lot of this is just symptomatic of the fact that the word has lost its preeminence within the religion, if I could say it that way. A priest had to wash in that labor every single day when he went in and when he came out, lest he die, and that labor that held that water symbolized the word of God. And a king in Deuteronomy 17, I believe it is, or 18, he had to read the scriptures every single day so that he stayed humble and did not elevate himself and think it get prideful, which is where sin started in heaven, in heaven, in God's presence with the devil. So, you know, Jesus said that if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. And he never used the word Christian. He, he was always on disciple. You, you're my disciple. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I think, 
I think the compromising with sin is also a symptom of not being in the word as individuals enough um, that you, um, you know, you don't, you don't see that it's, it's just not acceptable within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, it's, it's become, I, I, I never heard that growing up. I, I had always heard that Jesus came to forgive my sins, but I never heard that he came to set me free. Mm. And his term for a slave was somebody that continues in sin. And, you know, it's like, can you, are you going to believe the religious tradition? Or are you going to believe what the scripture teaches about mm-hmm. that? You know, we, we, we have, can, can you believe for a pure heart? You know, can you believe that go and sin no more? Can you believe that? Yeah. You know, no one who is born of God sins. Can you believe that? Because holiness is beyond that point. Like you were saying, you know, the, the power of sin is something that I think most religious people believe in instead of the power of the blood of Christ. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's, and that's very, and I think that's key. That's very key. Cause even, and I think a lot of times there's also, especially in church traditions, I think there's a lack of teaching of the Holy spirit in the ministry oh. of the Holy spirit. There's a fear of it too, because of the, Strange places some have gone to. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. I feel like, you know, even, and I mean, I've been, well, I haven't, with the pandemic, I haven't been writing my Holy Spirit book that I've been wanting to write. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that even in that aspect, you know, what's the Spirit's ministry? Well, it's to be an advocate, to lead, to guide us, to remind us everything that Jesus had taught. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a conviction aspect of it that it's able to bring up maybe anything within our hearts that need to be repented or even times where we may have, whether intentionally or unintentionally wrong someone. And we have to go back and humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's those aspects and I think it's, and also, you know, where do we get our power where our power comes from the Holy spirit? Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think that's the thing, you know, I think it's more of where you mentioned it, maybe, you know, about how sometimes it seems like sin is a little bit more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. the one that vanquishes sin. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know how something can be very powerful when there's something that trumps it that's so much greater. Uh, yeah. grace mercy the blood of jesus um mm-hmm. so even when we're kind of so i know as we're kind of talking about salvation we talked about different traditions different views there's one thing you said in your initial kind of viewpoint of what salvation is and you mentioned something about water mm-hmm. and i know sometimes that is debate sometimes that's debated because some people have used scripture and i pulled out that you know something about salvation is either it's all about proclaiming, you know, even you go back to Paul in Romans 10, where it says, you know, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and you proclaim that he has risen from the dead, then you shall be saved. Mm-hmm. And when you look at those aspects, it's like, okay, salvation comes from belief in proclamation. Mm-hmm. Then you have others where we look in the book of Acts and when people were coming, were adding to the number of those who were being saved, we see a confession and we see a baptism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So when it comes to, so I think when it comes to the uh, concept of baptism and salvation, mm-hmm. do we need to be baptized to be saved? Yes. And okay. That's not, that's not what I think. That's just what, that's just what the word of God says. Go back to the beautiful picture of Passover. Jesus Christ is our Passover. What, what came after the feast? They passed through the water of the Red Sea. The water of the Red Sea stands for water baptism. Mm-hmm. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Yes. You know, that's the word of God. Look at, look at when Philip um, preached Jesus to the, to the Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah. What was the neck? What was the first sentence the eunuch said? Look, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Yeah. Who responds to a message on Sunday morning about salvation with that sentence? I mean, something really got lost, you know? Yeah. Philippian jailer in Acts. I mean, he and his whole family were baptized that night. Yeah. They didn't have flashlights and they didn't have baptistries. Yeah. But that was the emphasis that the early church put on baptism because that, they, they understood Colossians 2. They understood that circumcision is still the covenant. And you're a covenant breaker if you have not been circumcised. That is not in our flesh anymore. That's in our hearts. You know, our hearts have to be circumcised from that sinful nature. And again, can you believe what the word of God says? Are you going to believe religious tradition? Mm -hmm. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. If I crucify my neighbor today, he's not going to get back up tomorrow and do something else. I would not, God forbid. (laughs) I think you take my example. I mean, we've got to go back to the place of that word faith really being what it means. Mm -hmm. We've got to go back to the place of the preeminence of the word of God in our lives individually. We just can't sit back on Sunday morning and trust the pastor to just spoon feed us. That's not the, that's not the point of church. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with you with that. And I think, you know, even when I think about my own baptism experience, you know, I, like I said, you know, it was, uh, you know, summer camp. So I probably was uh, eighth grade when that's when I started taking, you know, my salvation seriously and my relationship with Christ seriously. I didn't get baptized until possibly, um, I didn't get baptized until I was maybe out of college. Mm. And I think a reason a lot of that was because I didn't really understand. Yeah. You know, I mean, I understood Jesus, but I didn't understand, you know, baptism. And I didn't want to just jump in the water (laughs) and just be a wet Christian and not really understand things. I think it's kind of the other, I think kind of the other thing too, and maybe this might be baptism point of salvation is the concept of well if jesus who again is god made flesh he was god with us he's emmanuel then why did he get baptized if he you know is one who had no sin and if we see baptism as a way of salvation then why did jesus get baptized yeah, he didn't get baptized for the reason he didn't get he didn't get baptized for the reason that I did. I got baptized for the Roman six reason, but that's not why he did. Why did Jesus get baptized? That's what the Father said to do. Hey, there you go. <laughs> it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness, 
Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the only reason he did anything. I, that, that's not a cop-out. I mean, that's actually why he did it. Yeah. But why the father told him to do it, I can't tell you. Yeah. And, I mean, my, <laughs> my, my educated guess about Jesus' baptism is, well, when you look at everything prior to his baptism, when do you see Jesus when do you see the presence of the Holy Spirit on Jesus? Obviously we see, you know, you know, however you want to view the whole virgin birth and everything else and the spirit being in there. But, you know, for me, when Jesus is baptized, he comes up and the dove comes upon him. And, you know, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And we see the dove being a representative of the spirit falling on him. And the next, you know, Mm -hmm. he's being led into the, into the wilderness being tempted Mm -hmm. for 40 days but yet he was spirit empowered even when he Mm -hmm. was hungry even when he was out there all alone and there was these opportunities where the devil's tempting him it was the spirit who was strengthening him it was the spirit who was helping him recall the word and using that as a reference to fight against the devil so my Mm -hmm. educated guess is the reason why God wanted him to be baptized was so that the spirit could be that he can be empowered by the spirit, which I know sounds weird because some people go, well, wait a minute, he's God. He has all these powers. Why does he need the spirit? It's like, well, but I think a lot of times when we see things that Jesus does, it's modeled for us so that we can do it too, which I know is kind of the ordinances within the church of God that why do we do baptism? Well, it's something that Jesus did and he commands us to do. Why do you do communion? Jesus did it. And he commanded us to do. Why do you wash feet? Jesus did it and he commanded us to do it. Like, very basic. There's no big, deep theological or doctrinal statement on that. It's Jesus did it and he told us to do it. That's enough. That's enough. enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Good, good, good. So when I think about, so as we kind of think about this whole concept of salvation, how and maybe this is the thing that I'm kind of more struggling with, or maybe more than I'm thinking, is when you think about those people who viewed salvation as a well, I don't want to go to hell, so you know, I'm gonna punch my ticket and then I'm good and I'm gonna coast, or I'm good, so I'm gonna kind of do things, but they don't really, you know, they'll still work or they'll do whatever, or they say, okay, I'm a Christian, so now I'm gonna work. I want to do all these great works to kind of, in a way, earn salvation or kind of show God that, yeah, I'm a good Christian because look at all these things mm-hmm. I've done for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you have people who have that mentality, who are say that they're followers of Christ, say that they are, or they're good churchgoers or however, whatever the situation may be, how do we as representatives of the kingdom of God, whether mm-hmm. it's pre, whether you're a pastor or, or a dad, um, how do you proclaim that truth to people who have bought into something that was told was truth, but it has missed the mark? Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to keep pounding the table and preaching the word. I mean, I, I can go lots of places in the scripture and I see the gospel of the kingdom. And you have to acknowledge, and part of that is that there is a different gospel. There is a gospel of forgiveness. There's a gospel of just eternal life. 
but those people have never returned to the shepherd and overseer of their souls. You know, the church, one of the definitions of the church is, you know, that Jesus is head over everything for the church. And we cannot run our own lives anymore because we were all like sheep going astray. We had each turned our own ways. And that iniquity is what God laid on him on the cross. And now we're to walk in it. You know, that's what the people were called before they were called Christians. They were called followers of the way. Okay. And that, that message of that gospel has to be returned. The headship of Jesus over everything that we do. You know, that I talk about it all the time, but Romans eight fourteen, the sons of God are those who are being led by the spirit of God. We have to proclaim that message. You know, Jesus is the pattern son for us. He did not lift a finger unless he heard from the father. Yeah. You know, and Lazarus died. Jesus' favorite t- title for himself was not the son of God, but the son of man. You know, he wanted to go to Lazarus, but why didn't he go? You know, he hadn't heard it from the father. Yeah. And my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And that's another phrase that got cheapened. I follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. You know, really he's head over all things for you. You know, he's, you know, we, the, the, the initiative got taken from him mm-hmm. and the supremacy of the Holy spirit in the life of the believer that has to be preached. Yeah, and even even the concept of follower, there's a difference between you know someone on Twitter where I click a follow button and <laughs> I may see their post, but I may have zero engagement with them, mm-hmm. as opposed to being a follower of Jesus, which basically says, if you want to be my follower, you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and follow me. Yes, I mean it's not. I mean, you have to deny your soul to to be his disciple and as i said he never used the word christian he used the word disciple mm-hmm. you know you have to deny your soul take up your cross and follow me your soul is what you want what you think and what you feel to deny is to say no mm-hmm. you know i don't come first anymore jesus now is my king and let's be honest it uses in romans 6 now that you've become slaves to god Ooh, bad word but slavery to God. It's not politically correct, but it happens to be the word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, are you, you doing your own will today? Or are you doing the will of God? And it, it doesn't come. It's not the magic kingdom. It, you don't arrive the first day, but it is a progression. We have to go on to spiritual maturity where Christ does, where Christ is supreme. He reigns supreme over your life. That, yeah. that needs to be preached. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree with you, man. I agree with you. <laughs> All right. Well, John, Mark, thank you so much for uh, joining me. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or like to make comments, you can do that on my the official Scott Simmons Facebook group. You can also put it on my Twitter account. Um, or you can even just go to my website, thescottstedman.com and write something there. Again, if you enjoy this podcast, feel free to subscribe, like, give me five stars, whatever platform you're listening to mm-hmm. me on, because I know they all have different things to do. Leave a good <laughs> review, a comment, and share it with other people so that they too can find us. Again, John Mark, thank you so much for joining me. And everybody else, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. God bless.